Hey, this is Tim from Kalamunda Church of Christ, and today I hope that this podcast blesses you. If you are wanting to know anything more about our beautiful church, why don't you hop online and head to our website at kalamunda.church. Oh, it's good to be here. So I want to get into the Word this morning. Um, thank you, Luke. Um, get into the Word this morning. We're, as, as Tim mentioned, two weeks left of uh, FAQ, uh, Frequently Asked Questions. Hey, who's enjoyed the series? Yeah, it's been some good things, uh, speaking to some relevant things that are on people's heart. And I hope more than just answering a question, it actually equips you. Because that is, that is my passion, is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. That you are the kind of believer that go away from Kalamunda Church of Christ, more equipped as a believer to operate in your gifts, not to go and say, hey, Brad said, but no, rather to go with something in your heart that's conviction from you that God said to me. And you walk away with that power in your life. Amen. That's the kind of church that we are building here. So I'm going to look at a question this morning, and the question uh, is, um, how should a Christian face hard times? How should a Christian face hard times? And just to ponder a bit and step into that question, it could come from a place of a, a, a believer that is facing hard times or facing adversity, and you could ask yourself the questions of like, well, Yeah, should there be any difference? Just because I follow Jesus, should there be a kind of difference? And this question could come from a place of feeling guilty that maybe there is no difference in the way I face adversity, yet I claim to know Jesus. What's going on with me? Uh, It could come from a, a place of saying, well, if I'm a Christian, why are bad things happening? Why do I have to face adversity? And we know that Jesus answered that one very clearly when he said, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart and be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Amen? Amen. And so this is an, a, a question that can help equip us. Uh, I've got a few thoughts about that. But um, number one is we shouldn't be surprised by hard times. It should not take you by surprise when you face a hard time. In fact, 1 Peter 4.12, not on the screen, I'm not going to my slide yet, but thank you, I've just uh, changed some things around. 1 Peter 4.12 said, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery trial that has come on you to test you. In other words, don't be thrown off. Don't be like, oh, gee, hard time. No, understand that if you're breathing, the proverb of Brad is, he who breathes will have battles. The moment you stop breathing, the battles may stop. But while you're breathing, there's going to be some battles to face. And I would submit to you that there should be a difference when you're a believer about how you navigate the battles of life. There should be some distinguishing differences about your life. uh, Peter said, don't be surprised as though something strange was happening to you, but rejoice in as much as you partake in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. So they happen. I don't know the last time you saw a giraffe being born. But I haven't seen one for quite a while now. But I have read about when a giraffe is being born. You know giraffe, I feel sorry for baby giraffes. They do not get a great start at life. When a giraffe is being born, the first thing that happens is they do not come out with a parachute on. And they have got a long way to fall. 
You know, they've got six feet to get through just from being born. No parachute, just, just, just down it goes and boom, it hits the ground. Research, true story, the giraffe, little baby giraffe hits the ground. And you know, the little baby giraffe, the first thing the little cutie does is it starts to get up and it's got these like stilt type legs and it starts to wobble and stand on its legs and it finally stands up. And did you know the first thing that mummy giraffe does to baby giraffe, the very first thing is it, it watch, first it watches Karate Kid and, and Judo, and then the first thing a mum giraffe does is karate, kicks its baby over. Now, I've been in the hospital for three births, and I'm so thankful that Sky didn't hear this sermon before our kids were born. But giraffe, they kick it over. And did you know this little baby giraffe, true story, it then it wobbles around and it starts to, you know, get its energy back and st- stands and it finally stands up again and it smiles this time. It's smiling at the mum thinking it'd be proud. And the mum walks over and kicks it again. And it kicks it again and it keeps kicking its baby giraffe. It looks like child abuse, giraffe abuse. But the reason is, I'm going somewhere here, the reason is it kicks it because the mum is prepared to put the baby through temporary adversity to give it permanent victory over lions, over wolves, over things that would come after it. It wants to make sure that the moment it can walk, it can walk strong and run because the the mum knows something. A baby giraffe is a target There's a target on it for the enemy to come. And they're like, if it's vulnerable, if it doesn't walk, it's going to be eaten. It's going to be lunch for the lions. So the mum says, you know what? I'm going to put some temporary adversity on this situation to give you permanent victory. And I tell you, even though there's a target on your life, I'm not here to say that God kicks you, by the way. This isn't a great analogy for God. God doesn't kick you, doesn't, uh, he's not the origin of evil, but sometimes God allows the hard times, the adversities to grow us and he doesn't bring it, but he says, through it, I want to grow you through that hard time so that you know what it means to run and not be faint. Do you know what it means to walk and do you know what it means to go again, uh, out from the enemy and not have him take you down? So that's the animal husbandry for the morning. But... I love that thought, that, that hard time. And I want to talk to you from the book of 1 Thessalonians this morning because this was a, a church like that baby giraffe. The first, the, the church at Thessalonica. It was, you know, you know the church there, they were fired up for Jesus. When, when they heard the gospel, these type of believers weren't the type of believers that just added Jesus to their life like another gym membership. Or they, they didn't just add Jesus on. Jesus fully took over these guys' lives. Let me read to you what Paul says to them at the end in his final um, thoughts in the first letter to the, church, the Christians at Thessalonica. And that's what these are. These are letters. And it says in, verse five, in chapter 5, verse 12, I'm going to read about five scriptures. I'm only going to land on one. I'm preaching, sorry, two, three. Lied. Three verses uh, for three points. But... I'm going to read a couple of things. Not all this is to do with the message, but these are all a sermon in themselves, okay? So you ready? It says this. Paul says to them at the end of this, uh, Dear brothers and sisters, honour those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Aren't you glad for spiritual leaders? Not just pastors, not just me, not just someone else, but but for leaders that spiritually advise you. You know, we should honour them. You should have great honour for people that invest into your life spiritually. They work hard among you. Show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work. And live peacefully with each other. 
Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy. Encourage those who are timid. Take tender care of those who are weak. But be patient with everyone. See that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to do good to each other and all the people. And then he says this, always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit, do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said, hold on to what is good, stay away from every kind of evil. Now, this letter was written by, from Paul, Silas, and Timothy, and to this church, and it was reported that this church, like that baby giraffe, was getting kicked, not by its mum, but kicked and kicked uh, by the enemy under persecution. Uh, for them, imagine for yourself, uh, it's found in Acts 17, actually, they were so familiar with adversity to the point where, just imagine if today, you got a knock on your door, and it was the authorities that said, hey, do you confess Jesus as Lord? And you're like, yes, so they drag you out and drag you to jail or even worse, take your life. Like th this, this church was under extreme persecution, yet they were passionate about Jesus. They were sold out. And Paul's writing to them and, and he's writing to them in their adversity, in their hard times. And, and one of the key themes of the book is he talks about the second coming of Christ. You know, that's one of the best things to have in, in a hard time. Side note, when we go through hard times, how should a Christian go through hard times? How should you face hard times? Knowing that it is not... Not the full stop. Knowing that Jesus isn't coming back, he's actually on the way. Knowing that your saviour from heaven, there is a coming and he's coming for his bride. Amen? And he's coming for a bride that's beautiful, not ugly. And you know, he's coming for a beautiful bride. So come on, that's our role here as a church is to become all that he's called us to be. So that when Jesus stands at the altar, he's not like, oh, yuck, <laughs> I don't want to marry that. But no, he actually looks at us and goes, yeah, that's what I died for. That's the beautiful bride. That's the holy and pure and bride that I came back for. So he would point to the second coming because if you've got a hope that's greater than your hardship, you'll always endure through, amen? And so he's looking to the second coming. But, but this church was um, under this persecution. In fact, I would say they were in a losing environment. And so what Paul does in verse 16, my key verse on the next slide, is he equips them with a winning spirit for a losing environment, a winning spirit in a losing environment. How to make their adversity their university. And he says three things. He says, this is how you should approach hard times. And he says it to us today, I believe. Uh, always be joyful. Never stop praying. And be thankful in all circumstances. This is the type of spirit that you can possess it's more than positive thinking. It's more than an attitude. It is an attitude, but it's more than that. It's an inbuilt spirit thing because at the end of the verse, it says, this is God's will for you in Christ. In Christ, in your new identity as believers, you can always be joyful, never stop praying, and be thankful in all circumstances. It's not natural. It's supernatural. It's not something you muster up. It's something you have become on the inside that wants to get out. It's really a posture of life. And I know for me, when I was going through one of the hardest times I'd ever been through, uh, and it was just beginning, uh, worse than the gastro last week, I tell you. Uh, that was pretty hard. So anyway, and uh, I remember one of the church leaders coming up to me and he said, oh, you're, he says, he says, what's going on? He said, um, 
You know, you, you seem to just be just smashing it lately, like God's really powerfully using your sermons. We're seeing this thing happen and that. And, and he says, you must, you must just be on top of the world at the moment, hey. And I just remember saying, man, I am, just between us, I said, I am going through the hardest time that I've been through so far in my Christian leadership journey. This is quite a few years ago, about 12 years ago. And I said, I am really not going that great. But I tell you, I'm just hanging on to one verse in Thessalonians, well, three, but one train of thought in them, three verses, is to always be joyful, to never stop praying. And as I just let that grip me, for some reason, God's power comes to that. Amen? And, and gives you that strength, that stickability. And so this isn't something, this verse is passionate to me. I'm passionate about this verse because I've actually used it like medicine. I take this tablet, amen. I'm not giving you something that I don't take. I take this. I need this. Sometimes this is, the, this is all that you can do to get through in life. But this, these three things are so powerful to make university, uh, sorry, to make your adversity your university, which will teach you something that will give you the, the degree to your destiny, I believe. Um, so let me go through one point at a time. Here's how you face hard times. Number one, always, and the Greek for always is always. Always be joyful. So it's like, it always, he wouldn't say it if you can't do it. How can I always be joyful? Well, don't you praise God that it didn't say always be happy? Because happy comes from happenings. When it's all happening, we're happy. When the bills are paid, the kids are healthy, happy wife, happy life. You know what I mean? So like that happy is fluctuating here, there and everywhere. Happiness is not what the Bible commands. Rather, joyfulness is not from happening. Uh, what's happening, joy comes from an internal state of being in Christ. Um, this is what James says this in James 1 verse 2. Not on the screen again, but write that one down. Well, James 1 verse 2. Consider it pure joy. My brothers and sisters, haven't finished the verse yet, don't get too excited. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kind. It's like, yes, all right. Yes, I've got a trial coming up this week. It's like you go around everyone in the foyer after you start bragging. You're like, hey, I've got two trials. How many have you got coming? You're like, I'm so excited this week. Like, you know, it's just pure joy for me. You don't often see that, do you? And Paul's like, just consider it pure joy. Why, Paul? Why, why would you do it pure joy with all these trials? It's because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. What a promise. If you will go in with joy... Uh, pure joy and the trials come is an opportunity for you to walk out not lacking anything but picking stuff up. See, them trials come at you to take stuff off you. When you walk through them and you take stuff off it, it's a real shame to the devil. He doesn't like it when you walk out with some of his stuff and you, you know, he's trying to take stuff off of you and you're like, I just picked up more peace. I just picked up more joy. I just picked up another tool. Thanks, devil. Goodbye. I'm out of this trial. That's the power of joy in our life. Nehemiah put it this way. He said, For the joy of the Lord is your strength. In other words, the strongest Christians you will see are the ones with the most joy in their life. Instead of sighing, they break out in song. Amen? Instead of going into a fit of rage, they go into a fit of rejoicing. Amen? We've sometimes got to act in the opposite spirit that's coming at us. Now, I'm not saying we should do this, we do this perfectly and it's like, 
you know, I feel sick, I'm just going to be joyful. We're real. But joy isn't a fake thing, like I said. It's an eternal state of being through the Holy Spirit that has been given to you. You have on the inside of you love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. The fruit of the Spirit is in there and, and it's already there. You don't need to go and get it and it's just allowing yourself to surrender to joy. So let, I'm going to explain to you how because it's really important. See, David made a great statement. He said, return unto me the joy of my situation. It wasn't that what he said, Amen. He didn't say that. That's right. He didn't say, return unto me the joy of my situation. He said, return unto me the joy of my salvation. He said, because no matter what situation I face, my salvation is always better. It doesn't matter what situation I find myself in. I don't get joy out of situations. I always get joy out of my salvation. Come on, that should be enough for our life. If you're a born-again, spirit-filled, on-your-way-to-heaven believer with kingdom assignments, it should be enough for you just to be saved, to get happy and joyful. That should be enough to come in here and worship God with your heart and life. And I'm not saying you all have to be extroverted and all that, but you should have some joy if you've met Jesus. You should have some joy about your life. It shouldn't be hard work to get joyful when you're Think of what you've been saved from, when you think of where your sin could have taken you, when you think of what hell is like, when you think of what God has saved you from, if you can't get some joy, you're probably not saved. Joy of his salvation. It's enough. If God never does another thing in my life, he's done enough for me to get happy, get joyful in my life. See, the enemy wants you weak, so he will try and steal joy out of your life. He doesn't want you to access it. If he can get you focused more on the hard times than his salvation. I love in Isaiah 61, it says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. And Jesus is, that's the Messianic psalm there that Jesus, uh, or not psalm, uh, prophecy, that Jesus said when he came. And he, one of the things there, one of the blessings of being a believer, it says this, that he gives us the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. The garment of praise. And we sing a song, that old song, put on, the, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. If you want to know how to access what I'm teaching right now, this is exactly how, by putting on praise. But it might feel like a put on. I don't have any reason to be joyful, Brad. I'm, I'm going through a hospital journey. I'm going through this. I'm going through financial difficulty. I'm going through relationship stuff. My marriage is on the rocks. The kids are like, I'm casting demons out of them every day and then they come back at night. You, know, you don't know what's going on in my life, Brad. I, I don't have, you know, how can I, I say, you've got to sometimes put it on. I'm not saying fake it, but you've got to faith it, man. You've got to have some faith in your life that says, I can still choose joy today because I don't want my strength depleted for today. If you want to be strong for your trial, get up in the morning and put on the garment of praise. Well, what does that mean? It means no matter how I feel, it doesn't matter what I feel today, I thank you that I'm saved. I thank you that I'm born again. I thank you that I'm filled with the Spirit. I thank you that I have divine destiny. I thank you that I'm loved. I'm appreciated, that I'm forgiven, that you don't hold my sins against me. Thank you that I've got a calling on my life. Every single one of you can pray that prayer every single morning with confidence that it is the Word and will of God. And when you put on that, guess what? Heaviness Heaviness has to leave. 
Heaviness has to leave. Like I said, I've, I live this and I know what it's like when you have that darkness come upon your mind and that anxiety fill your heart and you're foggy in the brain. I tell you, the weapon, the greatest weapon, we, I'm not against medicine, I'm not against doctors, I'm not against antidepressants, but the greatest antidepressant I've ever found spiritually is the garment of praise. When I choose to praise God no matter what, and I've done it with tears in my eyes, I've done it with doubt in my heart, but I just say, oh, I don't care, I'm going to praise you today, Lord. I lift my hands as a sacrifice to say, this life is yours. Joy is what will get you through hard times. If you, how does a Christian face hard times? With joy in their heart because it will make you strong. Don't worry, that's my longest point because I love this point. I could go on and on about this point. I want to encourage you every day, speak it, put it on. Number two, he says, always be joyful, never stop praying. And uh, don't you love that? That thought that it's not about being in a cathedral on your knees but it is about having constant communion with God. See, the first thing that happens in a hard time, in adversity, is the enemy wants you to feel like your prayers are fruitless, that they don't really work, that they just hit the ceiling and bounce down. And What's the point in praying anyway? I need to do something about this. So I need to fix this. And you know, in their situation, in their context, Paul was like, Man, they, they could be so connected to their persecution right now. They could be so connected to it because of how real it is. And they're seeing loved ones go. They're seeing family taken. They're, they're seeing lives taken. They're seeing uh, persecution for the gospel. I want them to be more connected to God than their persecution. So don't stop praying. See, praying is just the attitude of the heart where we keep praying, we keep talking to God. I talk to God all the time. I, I love talking. It's just an ongoing thing. Yes, we should have prayer times, and we really want to, uh, going forward to this year, really just lift the prayer life of our church in different ways going into next year because it's so important. It is our spiritual breath, and we need believers that are breathing all week long, not just on Sundays taking a big breath, but, but that it's your lifestyle of prayer. It's a lifestyle. I mean, I used to even pray before I sin. thought that would get your attention. I did. Like, I remember back, I used to go, Lord, I'm heading out tonight. It's probably going to be really bad. These, I'm thinking about doing A, B, and C. Could end up doing D. That'd be probably pretty bad. Would you, I just want to let you know I'm really struggling. I'm serious. I would pray. I would talk to God about my struggles. Now, that wasn't last night, so don't stress. But... Um, but I'm serious. I know I'd be like, Lord, I'm struggling. I'm going to this party when I was 18. I said, Lord, I'm praying about this. And uh, let me tell you a true story. I remember being at the crossroads, and uh, and when you're driving from Mucka to Perth and you're at Gamaling, you've got two choices. You can go through 2J or Northam. Similar distance, but different roads. And I stopped there because my best mate rang me and said, Brad, there is the most amazing party um, in Northam tonight. You've got to come. You know, everyone's going to be there. And da, 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 da. anyway, so I'm at the crossroads and I've stopped and I knew I could also make church at uh, Perth Christian Life Centre at the time. I could get to the church service in time. So I was like, I was thinking I'd go one way or the other. So I actually stopped the car, remember, and I was just praying. Now put your hand up if you think I went to church. <laughs> All you, thank you for some people. Thank you. So, there's the one. You'll get a good spot in heaven to put your hand up then. But I remember praying, saying, Lord, I'm struggling right now. Help me make a right choice. Guess what happened then? He leaves the choice up to you. And I went to the party. And on a real serious, somber note, some things happened that night that dramatically altered the next six months of my life to a year that were not good. 
not good. And I had to live with the consequences of terrible choices. Well, I say all that to say, though, I was still in communion with God. I was still talking to him. I was still a wreck and a mess. But God doesn't wait for you to get your life cleaned up. This will never be the church where you've got to get everything right, clean yourself up and come into Kalamunda. Never. This will be a church where it doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done. God loves you, so we love you. And if you're on a journey, welcome to the club. We're all in process here and no one has got there yet. So I want to encourage you, never stop praying. Commune with God. Be connected to him. Don't even know if I had any other points on that one, but I'm going to the last point. Uh, Be thankful in all circumstances. I love this point because he's saying, look, don't be thankful for all circumstances. I'm not thankful for cancer in people's lives. I'm not thankful for hard times. I'm not thankful for adversity. But the Bible says you can be thankful in the situation that you are in. Uh, I really believe the devil hates thankful believers. There's something about the attitude of gratitude that causes you to live more closely with a sense of God's presence in your life. Here's why. You cannot be full of bitterness and anger and frustration and full of gratitude and thanks at the same time. When I say full, I'm talking like, like what's, what's consuming you. And if you're consumed by thankfulness, if you're just so thankful to be here this morning, if you're just so thankful for another day, if you're just so thankful for a church to call home, then I tell you, if you just come in with an attitude of thankfulness, you'll be receiving something from God because he can just get straight into your heart there. If you come in and you're just grumpy and not thankful, and I'm so but, but you're not counting your blessings, as the Bible says. Again, I'm not saying that we should just be like fake, You might be coming in really struggling. Like I said, that's okay. I want to encourage you. There is a garment of praise you can put on. I want to encourage you. There is a thankful spirit that you can put on. And in every circumstance, you can access thanks. He wanted them to be thankful. Have you ever gone back and just thought about, I mean, I've been writing our AGM, my AGM report and my pastor's report coming up and it was a great, it's a great opportunity that as I finished it to look back in 12 months of being here and go, thank you, God. Thank you, God. And I don't just thank him that we're, we've been growing and the kids' ministry is just, Joe, Pastor Joe's just going amazing and the kids are growing and growing and Pastor Tim and James are just smashing it at youth. We have, we have the, the best youth pastor and best youth ministry going around, I believe. We are so blessed here. We have, uh, uh, they're not just looking after kids. There's significant ministry happening. There's lives being changed. I'm, I'm not just thankful for all this growth. I'm thankful for lives that are changed. And I went back and I thought about some of the, the God stories. And even in my own life, you know, I want to, it's not about what we do as a church, is it? It's about who we're becoming as a church. Really is about who we be, not what we do. And I'm just so thankful. I remember when we started this time last year, and I was thinking, I wonder what the church would be like in a year. I just wonder what God's going to do. And he's doing stuff through you. He's doing stuff through us. And we need to be thankful. But when you're in a hard time, if you can be thankful, as uh, the team come back up, I'm going to close. I'm going to wrap this up because what I'm about to say is about to blow your mind. Well, it blew my mind anyway. You say, here, put your seatbelt on. Um, In all circumstances, and then the last line and the last slide is, for this is God's will for you, in Christ Jesus. It is God's will for you. And Tim's preaching next week on how to know God's will. But one of the things that is definitely God's will, one of the definite things is this verse. And it's his will for you where? Not in your flesh. It's God's will for you in Christ Jesus. 
So nobody who is a believer has any excuse not to access the joy, the prayerfulness, the, the, the joyfulness, the prayerfulness, and the thankfulness that I've been talking about because it's found in Christ. And when you become a Christian, Christ comes in you and you go into Christ. You are now one spirit with the Lord, the Bible says. That's a powerful verse. Powerful. And so your identity is in Him and you can access everything that I've talked about. What I really love about this, as I'm going to close with this, is that this is found in Acts chapter 17 uh, when um, the church of Thessalonica, when Paul went there in Acts 17. And the story is what have happened there. And then obviously later down the track, Paul writes this letter to this church that he knew he was there. Guess what? History records and the Bible records that the persecution was so bad at that church at that time to get Paul and Silas out was like a, a journey in itself. They had to sneak them out and get them away before they were going to be killed. So he saw it and he felt their pain. And then later he writes back, and this is believed to be one of the first um, uh, books of the New Testament letters ever written. Um, so one of the first ones, and he's writing back. And I reckon as he wrote back, he's like, oh, I know their pain. But for you and me today, we can often read it like Paul. Yeah, sounds like some good thoughts there. But when you read Acts 6, 17, it's interesting that right before Acts 6, 17 is a, book, is a chapter called Acts 16. I know. If you went to school like me, you can do that. 17, then before 17, 16. And, and in Acts 16, Paul and Silas were at a place called Philippi. And at that place, they delivered a slave girl who had a demon in her, and they got the demon out. And so the authorities did not like that. They, they were going to make money out of her, so they got angry. So they throw Paul and Silas into prison. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 16, they were in prison. Not just in prison, but they went to the inner prison, and their feet were chained up, and they were in, surrounded by urine and everything you could think of. This was not on a prison like today, it was the worst of the worst. There's other prisoners down there. And you know, this is the thing. This wasn't a theology for Paul. You know, just be joyful. Pray, keep praying. Be thankful. Rather, when he was in Philippi in that prison, the Bible says they were in prison in the hard time, not knowing if they'd even survive the night. And the Bible says at about midnight, Paul and Silas started praying and singing hymns to God. They just started to be joyful anyway. He put on the garment of praise in the worst prison you've ever seen. He put on a garment of praise and turned prison into a praise pit. And he started praising God. And the Bible says the other prisoners were listening. And there they are, always being joyful, never stopped praying, being thankful in all circumstances. And the Bible says that as they were praying and singing hymns, that the God sent an earthquake. And the earthquake shook the foundations of that prison. And guess what? Everybody got free. All the chains come off. All the chains come off. So much so, not only everyone got free, the jailer and his family gave their life to Jesus that night. They, they, they gave their life to Jesus. This ended in salvation all because, see, this is the thing. Paul wasn't saying to the Thessalonians, hey, I hope I'm praying for you. I know you're over there. It's really hard. He's like, I've been there. I know what it's like to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he says, and I know what it's like to always be joyful. Never stop praying. Give, give thanks in all circumstances because it's only a few moments away, possibly, for God sends an earthquake to shake the foundations of the adversity you're under. Amen. Come on, I want to equip you that you can walk out with a, with, a, with a new spirit this morning that says, I'm going to choose joy. I'm going to be prayerful and I'm going to be thankful in all circumstances this week, no matter what comes at me. Yes, it might knock me for a second, but I'm going to get back up because that's what the Bible says. Amen. We have the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead in us. So I get knocked down, but I get up again.
Would you stand with me? I'm going to pray a blessing over us as a church and hand back to the worship team. And as always, we've got opportunity for prayer down the front with our prayer team. They'll be wearing some lanyards. And if there's anything at all that you want to come down and receive prayer for, I'd encourage you every week we want to do that, create that culture where you don't need to walk away thirsty and hungry, but come and eat and drink of what God wants to do in your life. Maybe someone just needs to stand with you and pray. But if you're comfortable to close your eyes, bow your heads, I'm going to pray a blessing over you. And I just want to pray for anybody here today. You're facing a significant adversity, a significant thing that has come against you. I just pray, Father God, that you would equip us, Father, with your Holy Spirit power to always be joyful. Help us to pull out the weapon of joy and praise that we have. That it be like a sword in our mouth, Father. I pray that over us, that we would be a people of joy. Father, I pray that we would continually just talk to you and keep you in the loop of our whole life. You know it anyway. And Father, we choose to be thankful in all circumstances. I just pray a blessing over us as a church, Father, as we enter into this busy time of year, this uh, coming to the end of this year. I just pray, Father, that you would continue to guide us, to lead us, and that we would know your still, small voice as we are led by you, our great shepherd, Lord. You are the shepherd of this church. We just surrender to you. I just pray for every person, Lord. And maybe they're visiting today. Maybe you're here today and you haven't, haven't made peace with God. You don't know Jesus. You can come down too and receive prayer and give your heart to Jesus if you've never done that. Father, we give you all the glory and all the praise. Everyone said, amen. I'm going to hand back to Abby and then when she dismisses us or whenever you like, really, feel free to come down and receive prayer. But otherwise, we'll see you in the, for some coffee. God bless you.